The Raising of Lazarus, Belshazzar's Feast, The Storm of the Sea of Galilee, paintings by Dutch draftsman, printmaker, painter Rembrandt. The one painting that means the most to me comes from seasons when my own children drifted, the time when I drifted. I'm speaking of the prodigal son. With war in Ukraine and a troubled Russia, I'll probably never get to the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. I'll never get to sit and ponder, meditate on the work of this Dutch master. A friend of mine did and was profoundly affected. The late Henry Nouwen wrote a book on the painting and the parable of the father greeting his wayward returning son. Art historian Kenneth Clark called Rembrandt's painting, The Prodigal Son, the greatest picture ever painted. That doesn't surprise me. It's a picture of our redemption in Christ, our gracious Father receiving even rebels like me, granting faith in his Son, arms open wide, welcoming us to himself in Jesus. I'm Charles Morris, and welcome to Haven Today here on Tuesday. This is the place where we get to share the great story that's all about Jesus. And this is a program called Hope for Your Prodigal. And we started a series yesterday On that program, we heard from my friend Barbara Giuliani, who had grown up in a Christian home with a loving mother and dad pointing her to Jesus. She was a compliant child, but by the time she reached her teens, she wanted to live by her own rules. I just thought my parents and their religious beliefs were standing in the way of my social life. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to do what felt good. And I saw Mm -hmm. my parents' rules as just outdated and Mm. unnecessary. My friend Barbara Giuliani in Philadelphia, who began telling her prodigal story yesterday. If you were listening then, you heard that her life of seeking pleasure brought many challenges and heartaches. But through it all, her parents continued to pray for her, and they continued to love her. In a moment, Barbara will be back with us to finish her story and Share how God eventually got hold of her heart after years of running away. And after this program, I want to send you a copy of the book that Barbara and her late father, Jack Miller, wrote together called Come Back, Barbara. It's the best prodigal story I've ever read, and it was a real blessing for my wife and me when we were dealing with our own prodigals. I know this book will give you hope as it reminds you that Jesus is in the business of leading prodigals home. So, after our time together, would you call us at 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836, or visit us online and make your gift there and get a copy of the book, Come Back, Barbara. Our web address is haventoday.org, Today. As we open the program now with Zach Williams and Chain Breaker. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. 
this week called Hope for Your Prodigal. And Barbara Giuliani is back with us today from her home in Philadelphia. Barb, let's get a recap of what you shared with us yesterday. You didn't run away from home when you turned 18. You ran away from the Lord, didn't you? That's very true. I did equate my parents with God in my life, so I wanted to get away from my family home and also from God. And you were a PK, a preacher's kid. You had prayed a sinner's prayer as a young child, but yet by the time you got out of high school, you just were convinced God didn't exist. I was hoping he did exist, because mm. <laughs> I felt like mm. he was pretty much standing in the way of the things that I wanted to do. Mm. And in between, there got to that point where you had lived with a fellow, you'd married, you'd divorced, you'd gone out on your own, you got a graduate degree, you were working on a doctorate at Stanford, left Philadelphia long behind. But what did your father say to you? It was a troubled time in Uganda. He was getting ready to go there. And just let's pick the story up again. What happened then? Well, I was on my way to Stanford, and I was working. I had a fellowship there, and I was going to get a doctorate in politics. And I wanted to understand how the world was run so that I knew Mm. what part I could take in it. Mm -hmm. And my father said to me that he was on his way to Uganda, and he didn't really know if he was going to live or die. And he said, I don't want to take you to heaven with me just as a beautiful memory. Mm. So I took great exception to that because the clear corollary in my mind was that he was thinking I was going to hell. Those are fighting words in uh, your home, in your mind. They were in my mind, yes. Yes. And so after we had a few words about that, then he just (laughs) said to me, you know, I know you can't make yourself into a Christian. You can't make yourself believe what you don't believe. But why don't you just pray and ask God, if he's real, to show himself to you? Mm -hmm. And I did pray that. I think that was the first prayer that I had prayed in many, many years. Mm. So I thought, like, if I don't believe in God, I can't pray for a parking place or that I'll get better if I'm sick. I felt like that wasn't right. But I felt like that was a prayer that I could pray. And uh, so I moved to California with the guy that I was living with. His name was Angelo and uh, planning to get married. And so we moved out to California together. And I really didn't think about that prayer. It wasn't like that it was in my mind. Mm -hmm. But what happened when I got there, I was under a great deal of pressure because I really wanted to do well. Mm -hmm. I had kept myself from trying anything 
that was challenging because I didn't want to fail. So now I really had the possibility of failure. Mm-hmm. And I felt very much out of my depth there. Felt like everyone knew more than me. So I worked very, very hard, worried a lot. It just became a time in my life where I began to notice exactly what I was like. And it was a, I was a very self-centered person. And I started to notice that I only thought about myself and that I only really mm-hmm. cared about myself. And that was very shocking to me. So I always knew, I grew up knowing that Jesus died for our sins. Mm -hmm. But I have to say that as a teenager and a young adult, I really did not think of myself as a sinner. Hmm. I thought of myself as a girl who made some mistakes. And I had reasons for those mistakes. But just beginning to see that I could not love people Hmm. was really very troubling to me. Hmm. I remember thinking, like, I really need a savior. I really Mm. need to be saved. That was Mm. the first time that I thought that. Before that, Jesus' death on the cross was really incomprehensible to me. And isn't that interesting? Because all your life, you had heard the gospel being preached, taught in your home, and it just wasn't making any sense. It just didn't seem to apply to me because I'd never really thought of myself as a sinner. I really thought that was an outdated concept. Mm. But so... The way that God answered that prayer was the first thing he showed to me was not him, but me. And when I saw the way I truly was, then I really did want to know Christ. So the Lord out in Palo Alto. All by myself. All by yourself. Just Angelo, you weren't married at that point, but Mm -mm. had thought about getting married and Mm -hmm. he was going to get a job and work Mm -hmm. and everything. But all of a sudden, the Lord was working. Yes. And I really did try to escape my knowledge of myself and my knowledge of God. Mm. And I thought this was going to be my whole Christian life, but for that season in my life, everywhere I went, I felt the presence of God. Mm. There was just no escaping it. You it mean like walking around on campus? Everywhere or, or I was. I remember thinking how silly that I thought there wasn't a God because he's everywhere. Mm. I just had such a sense of the presence of God. And it was like, I can't become a Christian. You can't be a Christian and get your doctorate in politics at Stanford. I mean, I'm sure you can, but this is what I was thinking (laughs) at the time. I'm living with a man, and it just wasn't working out for me on any level Mm. to become a Christian. And yet, in the end, it would be as silly as saying, the chair I'm sitting on doesn't exist. It didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And one day, as I was walking through Stanford's campus, I was worrying about something I had done to somebody else where I had failed to do something. I was going over and over in my mind, and I had this thought, which was from God, which was that if Jesus really died for your sins, you're forgiven for that. So I just asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins Hmm. and became a Christian. Hmm. Then I went home and wrote Angelo a letter and told him that I became a Christian. By the way, we were married. We had gotten married a month or two before. Uh And I wrote him a letter. I thought that was the best way to communicate. (laughs) Before email or texting, now I would probably text him. By the Mm. way, I've Mm. changed my whole life. Mm. (laughs) So he said, that's fine for you. He was always a person who was very open Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. uh, everything. But I was convinced that my life would be, and this didn't bother me at all. I thought, like, I'll go to church and he'll stay home and watch football and read the paper. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it'll go. So we had a conversation. And Mm. he said, That's fine for you, but I'm not ever going to do anything where I have to pray or go to church. Now, he would have been raised a Roman Catholic, probably. Yes, he was. And he was through with that then. He had been through with that for many, many years. Okay. And he really just thought 
Christianity was a sham. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't willing to participate. So when he said that to me, I was like, okay, well, how about if you read the Gospels? And, um, and he was probably willing to do that, too. It wasn't on his list of things he wasn't going to do. Ah, okay. All right. So he started reading through the Gospels. And, you know, he was struggling with things in his life. He was struggling with drugs and direction. And he was always a very fun-loving, active person. Mm-hmm. But he really was purposeless. Mm-hmm. And he used to talk to me about that. And when he started reading about Jesus, it just was somebody who was everything that he wanted to be. And uh, about Mm. six weeks later, he became a Christian, too, (laughs) which was an amazing, yeah, amazing gift from God. It is amazing. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. We're talking with Barbara Giuliani. She's the author of a book called Come Back, Barbara, and she wrote it with her late father, the pastor, about her life story. And the foreword to the book is by Larry Crabb, great author. Barb, your world was turned upside down. Or right side up. Or right side up. I actually had the distinct feeling that my world became right side up. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm so interested because I know your parents. I knew your father. I loved your father. I know your mom. How'd you let them know? Did well, you that, write them a letter? I called. Oh, you called. <laughs> they were right. actually home. They weren't in, in Uganda. Uganda. They weren't yeah. in Uganda. They were home. So and, I called and them. And you called them in the phone yeah. and told them. Yep. They were pretty excited. I bet they were. And your siblings. And they were. Who had been concerned about you and praying for you yeah. as well. It was a great day. And of course, for our listeners that weren't listening at the beginning of yesterday's program, you are now married to a pastor. I am. Whose name is Angelo. He did. He became a pastor. Wow. Something that I was consciously trying to avoid in my life, mm. but God's plans are very different, and I'm actually well-suited to be a pastor's wife. Mm. It's very familiar to me on very on you, many you, levels. You, you grew up with it. You know what it entails, yeah. and you know the hardships of mm-hmm. it, too. And uh, as you think of your own life and what you went through, what the Lord allowed you to go through, and, and how the Lord just finally reeled you in and called you and you responded to him. You think this has helped you as a mother or now a grandmother or as a pastor's wife? Well, I think there's two things that have helped me, probably many more, but two things that I can Mm -hmm. think of right now. And one is to never think that the way things appear at any one moment are the way they really are. And to always know that God is up to something Hmm. in people's lives. He does answer prayer. He hears prayer and he answers prayer. Mm-hmm. And he is in charge of a very big kingdom. So while we watch and wait and worry about our children, God has kingdom purposes in mind and he hmm. weaves it all together. Mm-hmm. So it's just a great gift to me to be able to look back and see some of those kingdom purposes. The other day I was teaching at our woman's Bible study and I was talking about this very thing. And I said, God had so much in mind when I brought Angelo home. And I'm still thinking about my parents' horrified faces the first time they met him. And he had like a little bush and was wearing like bell bottoms and platform shoes. And they had seen me go through like three other men and were hoping that I had like finally got my head on straight. And then here's this guy. So that's how things appeared. Mm. And yet God had a plan that included everything about my life, my four children, the many people Angelo's ministered to all over the Mm -hmm. world, Mm -hmm. even speaking at that woman's Bible study at the little church that we planted five years ago. 
people in Swaziland. He's director of Swaziland Relief. It's a big, big kingdom. Mm. And we just aren't going to get far if we second-guess God. We do have to trust his purposes for our family and for our children. So that's one thing. And I would say the second thing is that God calls us to step towards people with love, and that often is a suffering. Hmm. And yet that's how Christ works. Hmm. So my parents did suffer to see Christ formed in me. Hmm. You know, I hurt them. I rejected them. It went on for years. And they they were faithful because God had been faithful to them. We've got a lot of parents or people who have someone in their life, maybe it's a grandparent even, Mm -hmm. or a teacher, whatever, and they're praying for prodigals. And we as a ministry, we get phone calls every day from people asking us, please pray for my Mm -hmm. kids. Drugs figure more heavily Mm -hmm. now than ever before. Mm -hmm. But your second answer there, and you want to expand on that a little bit, just some words that could help that person out there who's just praying for their prodigal in their life. I think that it's a strategy of Satan to make us hopeless about people Mm -hmm. and to view them without faith and without Mm -hmm. the love of God and without the purposes of God. And uh, I think about Dante and how he, in his book, The Inferno, he had written above the gates of hell, abandon hope, all ye, you who enter here. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the one of the most important things is to resist that, is to not view the person that you love the way even they view themselves, mm. that you look upon them as somebody who God is going to be at work in because God does answer prayer. He hears our prayers. We don't mm. know when or how he's going to answer those prayers, He doesn't call us to pray for people without hearing that and without being at work and without having his kingdom purposes go forward. Faith, hope, and love. Hmm. Those are are the things that we bring to our children. And don't think they're not watching you Hmm. because they are. And don't think that they're not wondering if your faith can encompass their bad behavior because they are wondering that. They're wondering Mm. if what they're doing can destroy your faith in God. Mm. And your gift to them is always your faith. You know, faith is very contagious, just Mm. like unbelief is. Yes. And in the end, I didn't know anybody else like my parents. I didn't know people who could say they were sorry. I didn't know people who would love me even though I was mean to them. Mm. I didn't. You know, I didn't see anyone laying down their life for anybody except the Christians that I knew. And that became very contagious to me. Barb Giuliani, there are people really, really listening intently to what you are saying right now. Would you mind praying for those people? Probably someone who has a prodigal hearing you right now today. Would you mind leading us in prayer that we could all hope and see God break through and expect him to as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you know more than we do and that your world is big. And we are also so grateful for your love, that your love endures forever, that it's steadfast and sure. And uh, we think of all those people we know and especially those closest to us, our children, who you've put into our care and uh, made us 
given us responsibility for, Lord, and yet um, we can't take responsibility for whether they know you or not, because that's really in your hands. And we just pray, Lord. We pray for mercy. Pray that in your mercy that you would waken up those who are dead and far from you and that they would notice that they're not in their father's house and they would come back to you. Hmm. I just, um, and I Hmm. pray for mercy for us, Lord, that we would live a life of faith and repentance Hmm. so that we could really put you on display. I pray for those who are, whose faith is failing right now because of the struggles of their children. Hmm. I pray that you would strengthen them, you would give them your spirit so that they can live by faith hmm. and that proclaim that you are Lord and that you love them and that your love is better than life. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You take what is
Daigle, featuring all sons and daughters from the album called How Can It Be? That's Power to Redeem here on Haven Today. And I'm Charles Morrison. I just want to thank once again my good friend Barbara Giuliani for being on the program and sharing her story of redemption and grace. We've all known prodigal stories like Barbara's. Maybe it's your child, your friend. Maybe it's even you. But it's somebody running from the Lord. And outside of praying for them, we don't know what to do. Well, I want to offer you some hope in the form of this book, Come Back, Barbara. It's the best prodigal story I've ever read, and it impacted my wife and me as we struggled with our own prodigals. What makes this book so unique is that you'll read it from two perspectives, Barbara's and that of her late father, Jack Miller. And in this book, you'll be encouraged to not give up on the prodigal in your life. The Lord hasn't. Why should you? Why don't you call us right now and get a copy for your gift to the ministry of Come Back Barbara. We have it in our warehouse. We'd love to send it out to you right away. Just call us. Call 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Tell us you want the book called Come Back Barbara. Or go online to our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And if you were with us last week and you really wanted a copy for yourself and maybe one to give away of Johnny Erickson Tata's new book, Songs of Suffering, 25 Hymns and Devotions for Weary Souls, we still have that for your gift as well when you get in touch. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. How do you receive love? It's an important question for husbands and wives to ask each other, or for lovebirds thinking about marriage. It's a way to consider how to love better. Acts of service, quality time together, words of affirmation. But what about sacrifice? That's what Paul says God's love language is. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just say he loves us. He showed he loves us, showing it by paying the ultimate price. This is how far he was willing to go to save us from misery. He calls us to a life of love in service to those around us, all for Christ. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.